Al, why aren't we going to the woods to save our marriage? Well, you know my motto, Peg. If it's broke, don't fix it. <laughs> Let's rock. No Man Presents, live from the nudie bar, the Married with Children podcast. Welcome to the Married with Children podcast. Podcast, Love Compound, and Water Park. I am Dr. Maradaniac, and I'm wearing my Easy Access dress. Ooh, that, that dress sounds pretty, um, pretty hot, I must say. Oh, any, anyway, uh, my name is Matt, and I just came back from a fine night with Esmeralda. Ooh. Oi. Not Bowser. No, 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 not Bowser. No, no, not Bowser. De- definitely Esmeralda. We are reviewing Love Conquers Owl. Season 10, episode 12. It's season 10, episode 13 by a production code order. First aired December 10th, 1995. Written by Paul Corrigan and Brad Walsh and directed by Amanda Burse. To go out with a hot guy named Carlos, Kelly bribes the reluctant Bud to keep company for Carlos's cousin Esmeralda by offering Bud a date with Fawn. Fortunately for Bud, Esmeralda turns out to be quite hot. Meanwhile, Al and Peg take Ephraim and Peggy's unseen mother to a marriage retreat. Sunday, can a love guru save the Bundys? Maybe this Dr. Richlu can make our marriage happier. No, no, the only doctor could do that is Kevorkian. Share the warmth. Hey, Peg, we got the hidden dog. Of the most sensitive married with children ever. Shut up, you touchy-feely hug freaks. A brand new episode. Then, watch the week's most hilarious events slammed into one fast-paced half hour. We're driving like a bun on the Hades. Catch a brand new What's So Funny after Married with Children Sunday. All sounds like a nice little um, fun kettle of fish this episode. I quite enjoyed watching this one. Yeah, I, I enjoyed this episode as well, but we'll get to that at the end. Um, we've got some special guest stars, some recurring guest stars, in fact. We've got Tim Conway as Ephraim Wanker, Lisa Boyle as Fawn, Mark Espinosa as Carlos, Edward Hibbert as Dr. Richelieu, Christina Solis as Esmeralda, Tiffany Granath as Pancake, Kevin Lee Bickford as The Clown, David Sederholm as Philip, and Gloria Golding as Naomi. What a list. Uh, what, what quite the list of guests in this episode. Uh, yes, uh, our show begins. Uh, I noticed Kelly's nice army green top pretty much straight away when I was watching this one. How could you not? I mean, it's, it's quite the 90s belly shirt in a way, but... So was that sort of fashion really big in the mid-90s, Anna? It was, yeah. I, I certainly remember around that time, especially my first year of high school, there was a a trend of girls wearing short tops like that, but wearing overalls as well. So, okay. Yeah, sometimes jeans and a short top, but wearing overalls. So you're sort of still covered, but you're sort of being slightly rebellious and letting your stomach show. 
Ah, so they were pretty common on the free dress days in, in, when you were in year eight. Yeah. Yeah, I think they had long felt fallen out of fashion for um, ladies um, by, by the time I was in high school. A little bit after me, yeah. yeah. Edit's a little. <laughs> All right, so Kelly, <laughs> she's learning some Spanish. Great, Carlos. What time are you going to come over? Cinco? Well, there's no Cinco on my watch. <laughs> oh, five. Oh, okay, okay, I'll see you then. Adidas. <laughs> hey, bud, I need your help with a date. Uh, I'm not videotaping anything, Kel. <laughs> no, I'm finally going out with Carlos. So what, you need the Spanish translation for it unhooks him back? <laughs> no, I, I already know how to say that. Yeah, yeah, she's wondering where Cinco is on her watch, because, uh, uh, well, she obviously doesn't speak Spanish. There's no Cinco on her watch. <laughs> oh, but yeah, Cinco is five. And she understands that, obviously. And then she says, Adidas for Adios. <laughs> and that's, that's a callback to, to season five, episode 10. Do you remember when she said Adidas when she was moving out? Yes, yes, yes. And that when she gets her own apartment. Uh, yeah, another one of my favorites. Yeah, so, yeah, very much a, a Kellyism. About to say, because I remember watching an episode just before I moved to my own house as a bit of a um, marker. Something else Spanish that she knows is the Spanish translation for it unhooks in back. Oh, yes. And I did look that up <laughs> if you're interested. The Spanish for it unhooks in back is se desengancha en la parte posterior. And I've butchered that, so apologies to any of our Hispanic friends. Yes, yes. Any, any, any Spanish speakers, please correct us. So I do apologise to any of our Latina friends, Latino friends, Latinx friends. So yeah, Kelly's got a date with Carlos, who we, who we will meet, but there's a catch. No, the problem is, is that his cousin is coming in from the old country. And the only way that I can go out with him is if my favourite brother in the whole wide world keeps Esmeralda company. Esmeralda? Oh, that sounds promising. Yeah, a lot of supermodels are named Esmeralda. But Carlos is so hot. Please, I will do anything. That's public record, Kel. <laughs> Look, I'm not gonna dog sit Esmeralda. I'll get you a date with my friend Fawn. Fawn, Fawn, let's get it on. <laughs> That's the one. All right. No. But she hates me. <laughs> Well, yeah, but she owes me for going out with her goofy brother who lives in the attic. In the attic? <laughs> what a dork. Yeah, he'd be a lot cooler if he lived in the basement like you. Mmm, yes. Uh, Bud's a bit sceptical at first, isn't he, about Esmeralda? Yeah, because a lot of supermodels are named Esmeralda. Yeah, so Bud will accept, provided he gets a date with Fawn Fawn, let's get it on. That's the one. <laughs> and, yeah, I, I wonder what this brother of Fawn's looks like. You know, is he a... I bet he looks exactly like Bud in a lot of ways. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, they've made their deal. Kelly gets to go out with her hot guy, Carlos. And then Alan Peck come down the stairs. Ain't gonna live no more with no big fat woman. Ain't gonna live no more. 
with no big fat woman. Ain't gonna live no more with no big fat woman. Anne, don't you think you're jumping to conclusions? All Dad said was that he's coming over here with big news. What could be bigger than your mother? In captivity, that is. Isn't Al just a little bit excited here? He's just a little bit happy. He is. He and he's singing a song, which sounds made up, but it, he's singing, Ain't Gonna Live No More With No Big Fat Woman. But that's an actual song that he's quoting. Not that that specific lyric, of course, but it's a song called Ain't Gonna Bump No More With No Big Fat Woman. Gonna bump no more with no big fat woman was a composition by Joe Tex and Buddy Killen, released by Tex as a single in 1977, bringing the musician back to the top 40 of the US pop and R&B charts simultaneously for the first time since 1972 when I Gotcha did the same thing. Tex used his aunt Benny Lee McGinty's name as composer for tax reasons. McGinty. Oh, yeah, the McGinties, yes. Reminds me of the old neighbours, the McGinties. Oh, she must live near the Bundys. Mm-hmm. Haven't heard the McGinty name in a while on the show. So, yeah, Peg thinks Al might be a little premature here, no joke intended, um, with <laughs> thinking that Peg's mum is finally going to be moving out. Because he, th- he thinks it's Ephraim at the door. He, he, thinks he's, he thinks Ephraim is finally ready to get his wife back. At the door, it's not Ephraim, it's chicken. Hey, Ephraim, get in here, you old chicken. <laughs> Sorry, Marcy, I mistook you for a 70-year-old hillbilly. <laughs> I'm sure that you get that all the time. Al, not even you could dull my spirits today. Jefferson and I have just returned from a blissful two days at Marriage Encounter Camp. Dr. Richelieu's Love Compound and Water Park. We've never been happier. Isn't that right, Jefferson? Love is all I need to make me happy. Jefferson? You in there, buddy? What happened to you? You used to be a man. I am a man. And who's your favorite stooge? The three stooges are not funny. Do you know who I think is funny? That Elaine Boozler. Ha ha ha. It's a lot worse than I thought. But I noticed that Al compares Marty to a hillbilly here. A 70-year-old hillbilly, yes. <laughs> Jefferson's in a, a bit of a trance, isn't he? Yeah, he looks obvious. He looks hypnotized. He looks like he's been paralyzed or have some, on some, some sort of mind control program. Just a look at his face alone. Yeah, something something more than just hypnotism, I think, is at play here. Yeah, but Marcy's in a good mood because she and Jefferson have just returned from this blissful two days at a marriage encounter camp, and she hands Peg the flyer to advance the plot. Oh, marriage encounter camp. That sounds like a big kettle of fun. Uh, I don't think so for Al. Uh, I'm pretty sure he is not 
does not approve of this at all. No. I mean, look look what happened to Jefferson when Al asked him who, who his favourite of the Three Stooges was. The Three Stooges are not funny. But you know who is funny? Who's funny? Elaine Boozler. Oh, now Elaine Boozler is not a name I'm familiar with. I know her name. But she is a she is a comedian. Um... I, th- oh, God, I swear I've seen her do stand-up on something. But yeah, Elaine Boozler, she was born August 18th, 1952 in Brooklyn, New York. She's an actress and a writer, mostly known for things like Mother Goose Rock and Rhyme, which is very interesting for the fact that both Katie Seagal and the Wanker Triplets are in that movie. And I think it's one of those films that, you know, if the more illicit substances you've imbibed or more alcohol you've drunk, the more you'll get out of. And she's also known for things like CBS Summer Playhouse in the late 80s and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend in more modern times. She's been married to Bill Siddons since 2007. So, I th- yeah, I think she's a writer and an actress comedic type. wish I could remember where I saw her. Men don't care about shopping. Men can say things in department stores that women can't believe. Know what a guy can say in a department store? But I already have a pair of black pants. Look at this. Men won't even get this joke. It's not their fault. They're just missing the shopping gene. That's all. I did Google the wanker triplets. Uh, are we talking about the identical singing triplets from the season two, Closely Married to Children? Yes. They're the ones. Yes, played by the Del Rubio triplets. Yes. Yeah, they show up as triplets in this movie, which is, it's, it's called Mother Goose's Rock and Rhyme. And there's very little rock and not so much rhyme, but it's just one of those f- weird films and it's got all these cameos by various famous people and Katie Seagull shows up and she's playing Mary quite contrary. <laughs> she's just being contrary. I am not. It's interesting to watch. It's just, it's just, I don't know, someone's drug acid trip come to life kind of thing. But yeah, Elaine Boozler, she is a stand-up comedian and an actress and writer and there's plenty of clips of her on YouTube. She was never really on my radar. So I'm thinking she's a very feminist enough for someone like Jefferson and Al to think that ain't funny. Yes, well, in Jefferson's case, not normally funny. So yeah, Al, Al knows this is um, an emergency. So yes, but he's got something. Ooh, yeah, and it's one of one of the many things that seems to live under the couch. <laughs> Where the old tool kit used to be, remember? The that's, tool chest? That's right, yeah, where the old tool chest was. Yeah, somewhere all the tools are randomly stored. Well, now there's some big ones in there. Yes, yes, and Al breaks them out. Oh, yep. No, not even <laughs> hidden under the couch. But he just had to lift right there, right at the front. Not even at the back of the sofa. Jefferson, I want you to get a load of these big ones here. <laughs> Oh, it's all coming back to me. Mo, Mo is my favorite student. <laughs> Those bastards, they almost got you. Hey, who's the uh, broad in the kitchen? Well, that's your wife. How the hell did that happen? Let's go, Jefferson. It's almost time for my nooner. 
<laughs> Take two of these. Call me in the morning. <laughs> Better make it four. And it's quite the fold out. She folds it over four pages. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, it sort of rolled out like a tongue. I know. If you look very closely at the fold out, you can see that it just text, text in here. So if you freeze frame it at the right point, you can see that the middle, middle fold out. Well, oh, no, hang on. Oh, I actually did see um, it was a picture. It had to look very closely. If you freeze frame at the wrong time, it looks like it's just um, text in the middle, not a picture. I think there's uh, one page of it is photo and, and the rest. Yeah, there is a lot of text in there. I thought for a split second it was a Playboy that was reskinned. But it works, and Jefferson breaks out of his hypnotism, trance, whatever, and his favourite stooge is Mo, apparently. Yes, th- thank you, thank you, Biggins. Uh, but that, now Jefferson's got another question. Now he, now, now he knows who his favourite stooge is again. He's, who's that broad in the kitchen? <laughs> That's his wife. Oh, he's not happy now. <laughs> how, did, how, how the hell did that happen? <laughs> he's got amnesia. <laughs> so, um... Well, I guess he was so drunk he doesn't even know how it happens for real. Anyway, yeah, so Mousy says it's time for the Nuna. Time for her Nuna, I'm sorry. And that's a word we learned back in Season 8. Yes, yes, Nuna or later. And Al gives him a magazine and says, take two of these and call me in the morning. <laughs> so that's Marcy's scene for the episode, Marcy and Jefferson's scene. I, always, I do like it when Amanda Burst appears in an episode that she has directed. So... She's left the Bundys with their story of the episode, so Peggy thinks that maybe this Dr. Richelieu could make her happy, her happy, her marriage happier. GL, they seem so much in love. Maybe this Dr. Richelieu could make our marriage happier. Oh no, Peggy, the only doctor could do that is Kevorkian. <laughs> oh no, 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 Peg, the only doctor who could do that is, uh... <laughs> Dr. Kevorkian, a.k.a. Dr. Death. Jack Kevorkian was born May 26, 1928, and he passed away in 2011. He was an American pathologist and euthanasia proponent, and he publicly championed a terminal patient's right to die by physician-assisted suicide, embodied in his quote, dying is not a crime. And Kevorkian claimed to have assisted at least 130 patients to that end. He was often portrayed in the media with the name Dr. Death, and there was support for his cause, and he helped to set the platform for reform. Well, uh, yeah, definitely interesting, interesting doctor that um, our likes, uh, yes. Ah, Ephraim! Al doesn't say anything, which I thought was a bit odd, but it is now Ephraim at the door. Al just opens the door like... He doesn't <laughs> he, care. All his enthusiasm from before is gone. I, maybe Marcy killed that. Yeah, Marcy would definitely kill that 100% for sure. Oh, uh, but Efren's here, uh, but, but, but I'm pretty sure he's here to Crisco the doors and hook up the harness. Come on in here, buddy. You hook up the harness and I'll Crisco the doors. We'll pop that little woman right on out of here. What, we, 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 wait a minute, Al. I'm not here to pick up Mama. Now, Efren refers to his wife as Mama. Hmm, that's interesting. And... That is the closest we're going to get to a name for Peg's mum. But sure, let's go with it. Interesting they never gave her her first name. It's interesting they never gave Peg's mum a real first name. Yeah, maybe they just didn't think it would be such a big deal. But Or, or it's, they come from one of those country towns where everybody calls you mama, no matter if you're related to them or not. 
That's a good point, especially because Wanker County is meant to be somewhere in rural Wisconsin. Uh, I've never been to Wisconsin, but I, I know that, I know that it has a lot of rural, rural areas, especially um, if you don't if you're not in Green Bay, Milwaukee, or Madison. And in Wanker County, or as Einstein would put it, everyone's relative. Oh, of course. Thank you, Dr. Einstein. <laughs> yeah, so Ephraim's not there to pick up Mama. He's there to take a trip around the world with his travel agent. Will you see this? Hey, Pancake! Get your flapjacks in here, darling. Didn't <laughs> <laughs> I tell y'all, huh? Part-time travel agent, part-time stripper, and full-time love machine. Daddy, I can't believe you could do this. Oh, I could. <laughs> You are a married man. Married? You told me you were a college student taking a year off before law school. (laughs) Oh, now look at that. I gotta get me another travel agent. Oh, what a travel agent indeed. And uh, his travel agent is named Pancake. And what did you think when this number came in? Pancake? uh, Well, I just... I literally just had... What a hottie in my notes. <laughs> I wonder how she got the job as a travel agent. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, she certainly wouldn't w- w- work at any flight centre around here. <laughs> yeah, pancake. She's not, nothing like a pancake, funnily enough. Uh, travel agent, stripper, love machine. <laughs> well, you could land a plane on her front porch, I'm, I'm saying. <laughs> Ephraim lied about his marital status and, in fact, said he was a university student. <laughs> sure, Ephraim. Oh, I just... Yeah, there's, there's so many questions I have. <laughs> but no, Peg tries to get him to reconcile with her mother. You are going to go up there and reconcile with Mom. Uh, no, 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 that's not going to work, Mark. We just can't communicate anymore. Well, maybe that's because you don't have a creamy nugget center. <laughs> hey, I know. <laughs> what if we take you and Mom to this Dr. Richelieu's marriage retreat? Uh, no, no, I don't believe in them fancy schmancy head shrinkers. It's got a water slide. It does. Whoa! I'm there, dude! He doesn't have a creamy nugget center. No, 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 no. Uh, and can't be dipped, can't be powdered, dusted in sugar, or can't be deep fried or anything like that. After he says that to Ephraim, it looks like Al's laughing. Like, for real, I mean. Hmm, so as in, uh, it could have been like one of those um, times that they've had to reshoot it, but it's like, okay, this is the best we can do. You know, sometimes when um, actors crack up and, and they, like, um, stumble their lines. Yeah, um, I mean, he didn't mess anything up as, as far as we know, but he just, you know, poked him in the belly and then kept laughing and then the audience laughed again and they just left it in. Yeah, which was good because from what I remember, I think they did two tapings of each episode. Yeah, they do an earlier taping and then either some pickups or... After that, or they wait till after the second taping to do some pickups. They they used to bring in two sets of audiences, yeah. So an early taping, and they would tape it in case they had to use that for any reason. But the main one would be later in the evening, like seven thirty, eight o'clock. That's right. Yeah, I thought they, I thought they filmed it twice. I remember re- reading years ago about um, well, well, the week the week of shooting an episode. Um, yes, I remember reading about it years and years ago. So Peg has the bright idea 
of taking her parents to this marriage retreat. And I think Al is under the um, under the thinking of dropping them off because he's quite convincing to Efren. Like, look, it's got a water slide. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, as you mentioned, doesn't Efren want another agent? Hmm. Well, he might find an agent at this retreat. Yeah, I find it has a water slide. Oh, gosh. Um, that sounds a bit like easy bait. Uh, I mean, Efren would have liked a certain um, Vietnamese battlefield theme park. <laughs> I'm, of, I'm of course referring to um, the episode of South Park where Jimbo and Ned talk about their time in Da Nang and they talk about roller coasters and whatnot. We did it, Ned! We killed the entire Viet Cong army! Whoopee! Let's get back to base camp. We can ride the log ride before it closes. <laughs> and that's the way it happened, boys. Wow! Man, Vietnam was sweet! <laughs> All right, so that's sold Ephraim. So now we come back to Kelly and Bud's plot. Ah, I see you're wearing your easy access dress. <laughs> ah, I see you're wearing your wonder briefs. <laughs> and Kelly is wearing her easy access dress. And I, I, reckon, I reckon she's worn sluttier dresses than that. I think she has two. I mean, uh, well, it's easy access. Maybe there's easier access than that. But yeah, definitely an easy access one. That's for sure. Going, just going from that dress. Uh, looks really nice in her as always. Love that scarlet red on her. Yeah, it's a nice colour. And it's certainly not the the belt. <laughs> the dress that gets called the belt from the days of yore. So it's, it's she's gotten less slutty over the years. Well, she's getting older, you know. I mean, in this episode, uh, let's see, well, Christina Applegate herself in real life was uh, 24, so your character of Kelly would be 23, so she's getting older. Yeah, doesn't mean you can't dress like a total slut, yeah. But maybe she's maturing internally, uh, Kelly, uh, who, who knows? Yes, yeah, I, I would say that. <laughs> yeah, she's wearing an easy access dress. Bud's gone very basic, he's just wearing a sh- just a t-shirt and... Uh, trackies and wearing his wonder briefs. Yeah, he's um yeah gone very very basic. Uh, one of my favorite moments in this episode is actually uh, Bud saying to Kelly, "If you want me to babysit Bowser, you better be nice to me." <laughs> <laughs> Look, if you still want me to babysit uh, Bowser, you better be nice to me. Her name is Esmeralda. Yeah, I don't care what her name is. She's not getting up on the furniture. And <laughs> <laughs> I still get my shot with fun, right? Yes, she'll be here at 11 o'clock, just in time to tuck you in and tell you about her other dates. She can bring her other dates for all I care, as long as I get my two minutes. (laughs) Carlos is here! Okay, okay, okay. Hola, Kelly. You look muy bonita tonight. Thank you. You look... uh, Bobby Bonilla, too. <laughs> How charming. One of your American jokes. <laughs> Speaking of American jokes, <laughs> this is my brother Bud. <laughs> this, this is my cousin, Esmeralda. <laughs> Hola. <laughs> Damn. So Bowser is um, from uh, Mario Brothers, right? 
Correct, correct. I can tell you all about Bowser, and I'll do that just now. Uh, so, uh, Kelly says, her name is Esmeralda. But anyway, so for those of you who are not nerds or gamers, um, Chris Chris will definitely appreciate me talking about Bowser here. He don't know who he likes as Nintendo. Oh, yeah. Bowser, or King Cooper, is a fictional character and the main antagonist of the Nintendo's Mario franchise. In the US, the Cowser was first referred to as Bowser, King of the Coopers, and the Sorcerer King in the instruction manual. Bowser is the leader of the Turtle-like Koopa race, and has been the arch-enemy of Mario since first appearance in 1985 Nintendo Entertainment Systems game, Super Mario Brothers. His ultimate goals are to kidnap Princess Peach, defeat Mario, and conquer the Mushroom Kingdom. Since his debut, he has abused in almost every Mario franchise game, usually serving as the main antagonist. So, he's appeared in Super Mario World, Mario 64, Sunshine, Galaxy, uh, Galaxy 2, Odyssey. So, typically, all the Paper Marios, typically, if, you, if you're playing one of the ma- main Mario games, the Bowser's the enemy. I will say, in the sports Mario games, and other ones like Mario Party or Mario Kart, Mario Golf, you can play as Bowser. So, interestingly enough, Bowser still gets invited to mini-golf, he still gets invited to Mario... Go-karting, still gets invited to board games, even though he cannot stand Mario. Interesting, interesting. Uh, And one more thing about Bowser. Uh, He's voiced by Kenny James. In addition to his usual animation and video game appearances, he was also in the, in my opinion, the subpar 1993 live-action film, Mario Brothers, where he's portrayed by Dennis Hopper. Have you seen that film, Hannah? No, I haven't. You're not missing much. I saw it when I was 12, so uh, it may be tainted by how, how my life wasn't, wasn't in that good of a state back then, but uh, I didn't think much of the film back then, and generally speaking, a lot of people panned it. So this was back at, back in the era when video game adapt- film adaptions of video games weren't that good. They tend to be better now, I must say. Like, the recent Sonic film was really good. Dennis Hopper. Uh, is that the, the one with Bob Hoskins... Yes, yeah. Bob Hoskins is Mario. Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, because uh, it yeah, that, it's an interesting cast, and and now of course there's a, a new Mario Brothers movie, and everybody was up in arms when it got announced that Mario was going to be voiced by Chris Pratt. Yes, yes. At the time of recording this, they're still making it. I think it's going to be coming out uh, next year. Yes, 2022. And <laughs> Chris Pratt. Um, I don't, I don't know what to think about that. I mean, every time I see his name, I don't say Chris Pratt. I say Crisp Rat. <laughs> well, I have to wait and see. I mean, I'll probably still see the film when it comes out. Uh, so by the time it comes out, the podcast will be definitely over. But no doubt, uh, those who are still fo- following me when that comes, I'll let, I'll let you know my f- thoughts on the film when it when it does come out. Hopefully it's better than the 93 one, which didn't even make its money back at the box office. Aw, that's kind of sad. Around the world, it made $10 million less than um, its budget. Right, okay. So enough time has passed that they can do a new one. <laughs> yes, yes. Um, Try again. Well, it's been almost 30 years, and... Uh, but going back out of the warp pipe, so going back from the Mushroom Kingdom to uh, Northern Illinois Kingdom, who's at the door? It's Carlos! It is. Carlos is played by Marco Spinoza, and he's someone who's familiar, really familiar looking. And I think a lot of Beverly Hills 90210 fans will recognise him, because he was in the later years of the show... 
Yes, he played Jesse Vasquez in 90210 from 93 to 95. He's been on a lot of other shows, including um, House and Without a Trace, and you will see him again in Married with Children later this season. Awesome. But yeah, I never really saw 90210, so I have no idea he was in there, but thank you for that. Uh, oh, and, uh, oh, hang on, but not just behind Carlos is Esmeralda. Now... I don't think there's anybody in the world who expected Esmeralda to not be a babe. Mm. After all the talk of, you know, I'm not babysitting, I'm not looking after, I'm not dog-sitting some girl called Esmeralda. And if she walks in, and of course she's a looker. I mean, we know it's going to happen, but it's still good. Oh, ho, ho. yeah, I noticed. I was like, oh, Bud is, I, I noticed she walks in with a hot floral dress and Bud is excited as am I. Well, she does all she has to say. All she has to do is walk in and say "Hola," and Bud is almost literally frozen in place, isn't he? Yeah, she's smoking and ready for a bit of fun, and Bud is ready for some playtime. Yes, and before she walked in, um, Carlos said to Kelly, <laughs> teaching her more Spanish. No, she said, "Oh, you look muy bonita," and Kelly says, "Thank you. You look Bobby Bonilla too." <laughs> Yeah, I noticed that she bungled her Spanish again, uh, which reminded me, uh, so much like Joy on My Name is Earlwood around a decade later. Yeah, she had a Kelly quality. Yeah, so much like she did late to mid, mid to late 2000s. And uh, Bobby Bonilla has been um, referenced on Married to Children before. Uh, he's, a, he's a former baseball player and he's of Puerto Rican descent. So he, he played in the major leagues from 86 to 2001. And he was mentioned in the baseball episode in season nine in A Man for No Seasons. Um, he's not in the episode like a lot of baseball players are, but they said, how come your name tag says Bobby Benear and is it Brett Saberhagen? Yeah, Brett Saberhagen says, oh, he called in sick. <laughs> yeah, so def- that nice, nice of a timely sports reference there. Um, they obviously um, knew it was um, hot, hot in the industry because I would have no idea who Bobby Benear was if it wasn't for this show. Yeah, neither would I, because uh, obviously I follow American baseball. <laughs> so anyway, that's uh, more butchered Spanish on Kelly's part, but um, we get to meet the lovely Esmeralda, and she has taken a shine to Bud straight away. Carlos, Bud and I are going to his room to play. <laughs> we are? <laughs> Thank you, God. <laughs> oh, Dios mío. Well, Carlos, it's just you and me and this big empty couch. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, but when do I get to meet your chaperones? Well, soon if you play your cards right. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean your parents. Uh, where is your father, the village shoesmith? Oh, well. <laughs> He's with my mother, the village shopper, and uh, my grandmother, the village. <laughs> It was nice of you to have your brother look after my unsullied cousin, Esmeralda. Well, she's going to be a nun, you know. Oh, Oh, God. Oh, God. You see, they are praying together already. Yeah, just a little bit too much of a uh, shine to bud. A little bit too eager. And she must be a tiny girl because she is shorter than bud. (laughs) And she's wearing heels too. She's she's also yeah. wearing heels. So she, and in the heels, she looks about the same height as Bud. 
Yeah, and he's five foot three, so she's tiny. Yes. If I met her, I'd be towering over her. <laughs> yes, very much so. So Esmeralda and Bart are going to his room to play. Oh, yes. And uh, oh, Bart is always oh, really happy. And uh, so they just toddle on down the stairs to the basement while Kelly and Carlos are all alone. But Carlos is more interested in meeting Kelly's chaperons. Oh, yeah, the village shoesmith. Yeah, yeah, nothing to do with her chest. It's her parents, of course. Yeah, the village shoesmith, her mother, the village shopper, and her grandmother, the village. (laughs) Oh! Hey, did you know that Esmeralda is going to be a nun? No, no way! I mean, can't you hear that they're already praying together? Oh, yeah, they're definitely praying, aren't they? (laughs) Wow, is this guy dumber than Kelly? (laughs) <laughs> oh gosh <laughs> Alright, so we, we now find ourselves on a new set A new scene It's the Love Compound and Water Park Welcome to Dr. Richelieu's Love Compound and Water Park I am Dr. Richelieu In walks Dr. Richelieu introducing himself in that grandiose way. And do you recognise this guy? Uh, let's have a look at him. Uh, Edward Hibbert, so... Uh, yes, I might be asking the wrong crowd here because after I fig- realised that nobody except me watches Frasier, this guy has a, a recurring role on Frasier. Oh, it's coming back to and me now. Yeah, he, he, he does show up in a lot of other shows as well, but he's <laughs> he plays a quite a funny role on Frasier. He's the real pompous food critic who reviews he has his own food radio show. And he's always like Frasier They make an osubuco that's so divine I call it the Veal Shank Redemption. Oh yes, it's coming back to me. So I've actually seen every single episode of Frasier. Good. However, I haven't I haven't rewatched it since I first watched it nine years ago, unfortunately. Well, you he he's in throughout the whole show, all seasons pretty much. I mean he's just got a small recurring role, but his name is Gil Chesterton on Frasier, and he's played by Edward Hibbert, as you said, and here he's playing Doctor Richelieu. Well, yes, he's coming back to me now. Uh, and yes, I will just, yes, I bi- basically binged watch all of Frasier between April and September of 2012. Very good. That could be something you watch again, like if you watch all the Cheers and you watch all of Frasier. Well, I've got both of them in DVD. I actually, I borrowed the Frasier DVDs off a good mate of mine. So you look around the room of this love compound. We don't see much of the water park at all, but we'll take their word for it. And we see all these couples, many troubled couples. Now, I know you all think your problems might be strange or unique. But believe me, I have seen it all and nothing can... Holy mother of God! Well, she's old enough. (laughs) And who might you be? Well, I might be Brad Pitt, but as you can see by the chick on my arm, I'm not. Uh, we're not here for counseling. We're just here to drop off my mom and dad. Right, so I'll just unhitch the trailer and bid everyone here a hidey ho. Wait, 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 hold, hold, hold it, Al. I gotta talk to you. Uh, excuse me a minute, darling, would you? Whoa. Listen, Al. I gotta talk to you. Uh, it's, uh, it's Mama. Uh, she's a little shy. Of what, a metric ton? 
no, 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 no. I, I think she's a little embarrassed to be here. Oh, you, you know, Al, maybe Daddy's right. Maybe it'd make her feel better if we stick around and participate. Hank, I'd rather go synchronize swimming with Angela Lansbury. I'd rather have my neck shaved by Ray Charles. I'd even rather have your picture tattooed on the inside of my eyelids than spend any more time with these clowns. You leave now, and you can forget about Mama and I patching things up here. All right, I'll stay. But I swear I'm not touching that bozo with the big red hair. Or that guy. Many troubled couples. We got an old man and a young lady. Very mismatched. Old lad, young bird. Alan Pegg. And... Ephraim and obviously Mrs. Wanker, but you obviously don't see, um, you can tell it's a bigger sofa, but you can't, you obviously don't see Mrs. Wanker. Spoiler alert, we're never going to see this woman, but Ephraim is sitting on an awfully big couch. Yes, yes, but as we know, so to add to Anna's spoiler, F, uh, Mrs. Wanker or Mama is one of those characters you never see, much like, uh, I believe, Maris on Frasier, or uh, technically Norma's wife Vera on Cheers, although you actually do see Vera in one episode because she has a pie, she has a pie on her face. Yes, that's right. And that was she was played by George Vent's real-life wife in that episode. I was just saying, forgot forgot one more couple. You got the... Um, oh, the clown. Got, uh, yeah, the clown and uh, his uh, his wife. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there, but she's dressed in a nice business suit, so it's the clown and the businesswoman. Yes, yes. But yeah, Peg's mum is not going to speak. She doesn't talk in this episode, which is odd. Maybe they couldn't get Kathleen Freeman for this episode. But she's not talking because Ephraim had to lie and say he was taking her to IHOP. Oh, yes. Oh, good. Oh, yeah, so for those who are not American, uh, IHOP is the International House of Pancakes. It's an American multinational pancake house restaurant chain specializing in not just pancakes, but also breakfast foods. It is owned by Dine Brands Global, a company formed after IHOP's purchase of Applebee's, with 99% of the restaurants run by independent franchisees. A focus on breakfast foods, it also offers lunch and dinner items. It has 1,841 locations in the USA, Canada, Mexico, Guatemala, Dubai, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, and Qatar. And uh, most of its locations are open 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, but at a minimum, it's open between 7am and 10pm. So there you have it. Uh, IHOP, um, not just known for pancakes, but to be honest, I don't think they do my favourite kind of breakfast. No, you might might need something else. I don't think they do it full English. (laughs) No, it's not a Grand Slam breakfast either, is it? (laughs) That you'd get at Denny's. No, no, no. (laughs) Oh, no, the Bundy favourite Denny's. (laughs) So, Dr. Richley asks, Al, who might he be? Well, I might be Brad Pitt, but as you can see by the chick on my arm, I'm not. So, that's another mention of Brad Pitt this season. Yeah, I'm trying to... And what was Brad Pitt doing at this time, more importantly? What was Brad Pitt known for? Because this is before Titanic, so it wasn't that. Well, Brad Pitt was not in Titanic, but Brad Pitt was famous in the early 90s onwards. So, he is very much of the th- of the scene at this time because he was a huge heartthrob in the 90s. And it was through movies like Interview with a Vampire and Legends of the Fall, which both came out in about 94, 
95, late 94, and he became huge after that. He was in movies before that. He got his, I think his first movie, or one of the very first movies he's, he did was Thelma and Louise, and then he just took off from there, from about 94 onwards. He's been famous ever since. Was he popular with um, the, your, fellow, your fellow, um, fellow girls at your high school? Oh, yeah, yeah, he was. Um, he was a little bit older than, say, Leonardo DiCaprio, but, yeah, he was definitely in all the magazines, all the teen magazines. It's an interesting mention because something we've learned in hindsight since Married with Children, but back before Brad Pitt was really famous, he briefly dated Christina Applegate. Oh, well, when was this? This is in the late 80s, very late 80s, and... Uh, it, it's troubling me because he must be about 10 years older than she is. Something like that, 8 to 10 years older. But there are several candid pictures of them together. They're just like hanging out and having fun. And she and it's like two separate incidents, like one in late 1987 and then again in early 89. Um, so there's two different events they can be seen pictured together. And she got asked about this on one of those shows. Um, it's, it's called Watch What Happens Live. And it's hosted by Andy Cohen, and he does a segment called Plead the Fifth, where he asks celebrities questions, and they can plead the fifth and say, look, not going to answer that. But it's just to sort of clarify and clear up rumors and things like that. So he asked her about that and said, oh, he went to a, you went to a, uh, an event sometime in the late 80s with Brad Pitt and ditched him for another guy. And Applegate pretty much said Mm-mm, that sort of happened, but she didn't really give anything away. Not that she had to give anything away, but she was much too classy to go into details. Never knew that. Learn something new every day, that's for sure. But yeah, if you Google Christina Applegate and Brad Pitt's names, there's a lot of pictures of them together come up. And, you know, the press like to speculate on who Brad Pitt's dating constantly. And they sometimes do a gallery of all the people he's dated. The fact that uh, those two dated is something I learned after the show had finished, you know, relatively recently. Because in the 90s, Brad Pitt was always hooked up with, um, I think, Juliette Lewis and then later Gwyneth Paltrow. So that was the big 90s couple kind of thing. Oh, I just found another picture of Christina and Brad Pitt together in an event that's different from the others. Interesting. Yeah, just found the pictures of them. I could tell that some of them look like from look like from 1988, some of them from 1989. Yeah, it's around that time. I think they were sort of more like just casual friends kind of thing. Because like I said, Brad Pitt is several years older than she is. And if she was in the late 80s, she was, what, 16, 17? Yes. Which, <laughs> it's a bit unnerving. Because so, Brad Pitt was born very late, 63, near Christmas. And Applegate born in 71, so that's an eight-year difference. So he was, when she was 17, he was 25. Yeah, which is probably okay, but it just, yeah, it's like older dude. They're probably just friends and nothing else, and nothing really happened. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But then she goes on to play Jennifer Aniston's sister in Friends. <laughs> <laughs> so everything, like, everything links together. Everything links together in the entertainment industry. It's an interesting reference uh, for that reason, and the fact that Brad Pitt has been famous then, and he still is. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, Alan Pegg are not there for counselling. They just hear the drop of her parents. <laughs> Mama, she's a little shy of what, a metric ton. <laughs> mm. 
Yes, yes, yes. Um, yeah, well, which reminds me, a metric ton is obviously a thousand kilos, which is one point one zero two US tons. A US ton is ninety three kilos short of a metric one. So, <laughs> yeah. Between Ephraim and Peg, Al gets cajoled into sticking around. I mean, of course he does, but not before Al dives into one of his "I'd rather" speeches. Oh yes. we, haven't, we haven't heard for a little while. When he'd rattle off three things he'd rather do. <laughs> so he'd rather go synchronized swimming with Angela Lansbury. He'd rather have his neck shaved by Ray Charles. Oh. And he'd rather have Peg's picture tattooed on the inside of his eyelids than spend any more time with these clowns. And obviously the clown is offended and Al doubles down after um, he decides to stay with the retreat. Yes, and that was very cute. <laughs> totally adorable that the clown was sad. Inserts thinks of song Death of the Clown. Aww. And Ray Charles was still alive back in the day of, of, of this show, of course. And he passed away in 2004. Very famous blind musician, of course. And Angela Lansbury has just celebrated her 96th birthday. Yes, she was turned 96 the same day my mate turned 30. Fabulous. Nice little rant from Al, uh, <laughs> making the most of his time in the retreat. Mate, he may as well. Yeah, but, you know, he gives in reluctantly. I gave my love a cherry <laughs> that had no stone. Oh, that was great. Stop now, please. I gave my love a chicken that had no bone. Carlos, this is very uh, romantic and everything, but uh, I too can be strummed and twanged. <laughs> I feel completely refreshed. <laughs> hey, sex is a lot more fun with a live partner, isn't it, bud? <laughs> uh, you got that right. <laughs> you know, your petty little insults mean nothing to me now. What's up with Julio? So, to open Act 2, we've got Carlos, who brought a guitar with him. <laughs> Singing a song that anyone who's ever seen Animal House will be familiar with. Oh yes, I gave my love a cherry. Well, actually it's called The Riddle Song. Yeah, and most people know it by I gave my love a cherry, but it's an English folk song. It's a lullaby carried over by settlers to the American Appalachians. And so, yeah, I gave my love a cherry. And in Animal House, of course, the guitar gets smashed. <laughs> I kept that in mind because I still haven't seen Animal House. Sorry, you haven't? No, I haven't. Uh, I have, I've been meaning to watch it for years, but I mean, I was going to watch it with some high school friends, but that never eventuated because I thought, ooh, I thought to myself, it was, it was like, you know, we're in the late teens, I might try to convince some of the guys to watch Animal House, but um, that never happened. I don't think they would have watched it anyway because I probably thought it was too old. No, no, because I, I watched it um, a few years ago. I'd seen it once back when I was younger. I mean, it's not, it's sort of in that, Revenge of the Nerds vein of films so it's worth watching at least once some people love it some people hate it it's just one of those movies that I felt like I had to watch that I'd get all the references to things that happened in Animal House and you'll also 
recognize a lot of actors before they became huge. People like Kevin Bacon and Tim Matheson. I like him. Oh, Brill, uh, definitely going to have to watch it now, ain't I? So, yes, uh, been able to watch this since I was about 14, 15, can't remember. I want to say one more thing about that song. Uh, I remember also Homer Simpson's version of I gave my love a chicken, it had no bone. <laughs> and then he goes, mmm, chicken. <laughs> yes, but I did like the end of this scene when Carlos said, I gave my love a baby. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Kelly, she is not getting any today. No, Carlos is not the right man for her at all. No, I mean, he is. <laughs> there's taking things slow, and then there's taking things ridiculously slow. <laughs> yes, yes. So slow could watch paint dry quicker. Ah. <laughs> oh. But Bud, on the other hand, he's he's getting enough for himself. He's getting enough for Kelly and everybody combined. He's been to town and back. Oh, yes. And his shirt. <laughs> his shirt has seen better days. Yeah, much better days. I think it's the last of his worries right now. <laughs> oh, yeah. He, he looks at Carlos and he says, what's up with Julio? <laughs> Which is funny. Julio Iglesias is a Spanish singer songwriter and he's a I didn't know this but because I'm not a Julio fan but he was a former professional footballer player cool Julio Iglesias is recognized as the most commercially successful continental European singer in the world and as one and one of the top record sellers in music history in many different languages and his son Enrique Iglesias is extremely good looking and also a musician yeah, so he's still with us. He's uh, 78 years young, uh, and, uh, well, he's sold more than 100 records worldwide, 14 languages, and he played for, I had to, I wanted to see what football team he played for, uh, Real Madrid, Castalia Club de Football. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> for I know, he could have been drafted to another European country, like, say, Bayern Munich or Nottingham Forest, something like that. Uh, Bud and Kelly have an exchange here. Um... Carlos just likes to take things slow. It's a perfect gentleman. What, no no touch? No kiss? Not even my favorite yawn, stretch, and cheap feel? <laughs> Guys do that on purpose? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Kelly is so oblivious. Mm. <laughs> uh, was she, is she that oblivious, uh. though? I mean, about, I don't know. I, I, I buy it and don't buy it at the same time. I do as well. But yeah, um, Esmeralda has called Bud back to the basement. Yeah, he's been summoned back to the basement. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've never been summoned like that, but it always reminds me how, where the times I've been summoned to sing karaoke. <laughs> well, next time you have to sing this song. Oh, I think I'll have to. <laughs> uh, speaking of things Bud might be getting up to in the basement, everybody in the love compound is now blindfolded. And gagged! <laughs> That won't be necessary. You don't know the wife. (laughs) In this exercise, the husbands will select either good or bad tasting food, and the wives will trustingly eat what is offered. Al, I can feel you smiling. I just want to say before we go on, did you notice the um, Christmassy decor in the the, the lavatory? Some of the decor looks a bit Christmassy. 
Yes. Um, well, yeah, that's right. I was going to point out just before because my video is stuck on a frame of Alan Pegg and in, there's a tree next to them and it's got little red hearts on it. And it's so cute. But yeah, everything's very red and very green, isn't it? Yeah, well, this episode did air December, December 95, so it would have been filmed probably in November, so probably Christmas on, Christmas on their mind. Yeah, uh, this would have been filmed, according to the production code order, this would have been filmed the week after their Christmas episode, and they did do a Christmas episode in this season, so maybe they had a lot of green and red left over, I don't know. Yeah, and yeah, the world, Let's the, go with that. Yeah, I'll go with that, yep. <laughs> so, Peg can feel Al smiling. <laughs> I can feel him smiling. That's a new one. But let's start with the wankers. And that's not a descriptive term. It's just their name. Oh, <laughs> uh, listen, I'd like to pass on that uh, wife-feeding exercise you got there. Why? Because I have become very attached to my hands. <laughs> if you can't reach out to her with a weenie tot, how will you reach out to her with your heart? Oh, all right. I'll give her a shot. <laughs> All righty. Here I come, darling. Here, sweetie. A little weenie tot for you, my little hippo. Come on, darling. Here you go. My finger. <laughs> if you can't reach out to anybody with a weenie tot, how could you reach out to them with your heart, Matt? I know, uh, exactly. How, how, Weenie Tots, nice little reference back to season five. Yeah, we have not heard of Weenie Tots for a while. Yeah, of course, referring to Weenie Tot lovers and other strangers, where, oh, obviously, Al wins a, a year, was it a lifetime supply or a year's supply? A year's supply. And, uh, of course, they get ruined because he opens them up. They get, op- they get opened up. His weenies had been exposed. No! That's, yeah, classic episode. Uh, go, go back and listen to that podcast episode and rewatch that one. Definitely highly recommended from me. Uh, everyone will give it a shot. Yes, yes. He goes forward very anxiously. Yep. Nice little work from the camera there. Oh, and then he cuts to the outside of the retreat. Because <laughs> <laughs> you can tell something bad would happened. The next scene right after that is everybody still in the love compound, but now they're singing Kumbaya. Someone's crying, Lord. Kumbaya. Someone's crying, Lord. Kumbaya. It's it's sort of an expected song for them to sing, I suppose, because they're making fun of all these retreats and things and people getting along. But there's some really nice harmonies in there, I thought. There are nice harmonies, but I also noticed Ephraim, you can see Ephraim's hand being bandaged in the background by a nurse yes. right behind uh, um, Peg and the old guy. Yeah, I thought that was a nice touch. And I also I'd say, back to the food scene, also, you may have noticed pig's ears on the table. Yes, pig's Oh, God. So that was one of the food they had to pick, the food, the good and bad food. Which begs the question, was the weenie tot in the good or the bad tasting food? <laughs> Well, if it was our picking good food, a lot of people would consider it a bad food because weenie tots remind me of puffy dogs. Yeah, puffy dogs is something we have in Australia. We don't have... I think that's the closest we're going to get to weenie tots, isn't it? I'm pretty sure... I don't think... I'm not sure weenie tots exist in real life in the US, but they're basically fictional puffy dogs. Uh, I've never tried pig's ears. Have you? No. 
I don't think I want to. And pig's ear is, I'm pretty sure, British slang for mistake or failure. Yes. Yes. Yeah, something that's been basically a botched job or something that's been badly or clumsily done. Yeah, I associate pig's ears with that expression and also something that dogs eat. I've had clients who, whose dogs eat pig's ears. Oh, I've never had them myself. They're definitely a pet food. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the closest I've had is obviously my beloved pork scratchings we've talked about in the show before, and they make some of my colleagues gross enough at work. <laughs> we need to comfort Mrs. Wanker. She hasn't come back since the accident. <laughs> accident? That was no accident, you slap-shoed son of an onion. <laughs> She'd eat my whole hand if I hadn't tickled her stomach. <laughs> Nevertheless, Mr. Giggles has a point. Ephraim, go find your wife and give her some hug therapy. Oh, shut up, you touchy-feely hug freak. (laughs) I suppose you have a better way. I do. Men, gather around here. I want to talk to you. Now, listen here. Take your wife on a midnight stroll through the woods. Let her ramble on about how everything's your fault. And you say, you're right, I'm sorry. Marriage is fixed. And they'll never know that you were thinking about Pamela Anderson the whole time. Well, give her a try. I'll uh, Say, uh, what makes you such an expert on love? Well, Ephraim, call me a hopeless romantic, but I want to fall in love one day myself. <laughs> So the clown asks that we we have to get Mrs. Wanker back because she's she's run off, I suppose, <laughs> somehow. Yeah. And he's given the name Mr. Giggles, but I think he's just credited as the clown, isn't he? Or clown, but he's actually got a name, Mr. Giggles. Oh, yes, Mr. Giggles. Dr. Richelieu suggests to find his wife and give her some hug therapy. Oh, and Al's sitting on the floor crying, holding what looks to be a rubber baseball bat. Yes, those yeah, those rubber mallet things, bats. Therapy mallets, yes. as as made famous by the Simpsons with like a family therapy. Yes, and where of course Bart takes off the padding and then whacks Doctor Marvin Monroe. <laughs> <laughs> That's really early, yeah. Yeah, for season one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you watch the promo for this episode that I've uploaded, there's a bit of footage in there that we don't see in the episode where Peg takes her mallet and she hits Al pretty much in the crotch with it. Oh, and you don't see that in the episode. <laughs> but yeah, she she starts hitting me in the stomach. I don't know if that's something they took out or if it's something that the actors are just doing for fun or or what. But she just hits him in the stomach right near you know the special area, and Al's just like, "Whoop, no, don't hit me there." <laughs> in the family jewels. Yeah, right there. Well, unfortunately, I've t- I mentioned probably mentioned the show before, Anna. I'm I'm glad the worst I've been hit in the family jewels was with a volleyball. That's a fond memory. Year 9 PE, um, complete accident by a classmate. Uh, I, I was fine. I didn't even uh, make a noise. I was like, Ooh. but her face, <gasps> she, her mouth went wide open and I think I gave her a heart attack. <laughs> I actually made a reference to that in a, in a 30th birthday card back in April this year. <laughs> it's just one of those, uh, I mean, this one of the reasons these promos are so great is you do see all these little bits and extra footage and clips things they've taken out things they've over they've retake like retakes and things they've overdubbed maybe or yeah just little scenes like that or even just special fox footage that doesn't exist in any episode and shot especially 
So the more of this stuff I find, the more I get excited by because I'm like, oh, that's new. I like new things. If it's married to children, I need all the things. Oh, yes. We need all the things for that show, that's for sure. Mm. But Al's had enough. He's like, oh, just shut up, you touchy, feely hug freak. It's like, oh, I suppose you've got a better solution, have you? And of course Al has. <laughs> There's got to be a catch, though. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I seem okay with that. <laughs> Oh, but there's more, Anna. Come on. I think there's a bit more. <laughs> yeah. I mean. <laughs> well, uh, namely, uh, if you convince the men to think of uh, a certain Baywatch starlet, Pamela Anderson. Indeed. Baywatch star and former Married with Children guest star. Twice. Both in my, my an amazing favourite season of mine, season five. Namely, Owl with Kelly and Route 666 Part 2. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, she is a famous married children babe, and then she became very famous. Oh, very famous indeed. Famous enough to be referenced on the show. <laughs> and she will be referenced again, but she will no longer appear on the show because she's too famous. Yep, a Baywatch. She came too big on Baywatch and uh, too big to be a guest star. Uh, some people say that she, um, you can say too big to appear at a convention. That's that's what I say because a lot of like Comic Cons and super uh, and the like down here tend to be not big big stars. Mm-hmm. I, I like to say, think, think another famous franchise. You're not going to get Daniel Craig, the soon-to-be um, former James Bond. He, he's not going to appear one of those for twenty years. No, but what makes Al such an expert on love? Oh, yes. What is our secret? <laughs> he wants to fall in love one day himself. With Pamela Anderson? <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Al, why aren't we going to the woods to save our marriage? Well, you know my motto, Peg. If it's broke, don't fix it. <laughs> <laughs> if it's broke, don't fix it. Indeed. Back to Kelly and Bud. Well... Kelly and Carlos. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, this scene. Now, Carlos has broken out the slide projector. Oh, very common in the days before um, Microsoft PowerPoint. And this next slide is a family portrait. <laughs> Look at that cute burrow. That burrow is my Aunt Maria. <laughs> oh, well, the, the saddlebags threw me. <laughs> Is that a statue of Sally Struthers? You're very perceptive. She brought much food to my country. We're hoping the next time she comes, she'll share it with us. Did you um, ever have um, slide nights in your family growing up, Anna? Yeah, my grandmother had slides. Oh, how, how were they boring? Um... No, it, it wasn't too bad. I mean, because a lot of she had a lot of slides, and she didn't force them down our throats or anything. But a lot of them, it's like, oh, should we set up the slide projector? We could look at slides because there was nothing else to do really. But she had a lot of things, a lot of slides from way back in the day, and some of her travels and stuff. So some of it was actually interesting. A lot of it was like, okay, if you don't want to watch anymore, you don't have to kind of thing. So she was pretty cool about that. But she did have some slides. I, I, I looked at many slides. But yeah, it wasn't like this Carlos level. Oh, okay, because I know slide nights were pretty common. I mean, I've seen slide nights on The Simpsons like when uh, Patty and Selma were showing the holiday snaps. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> slides of them shaving their legs. God. Yes, or trying to plug the charger on Czechoslovakian outlets. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Kelly's not getting any. Not, won't be getting any anytime soon. No, especially not looking at slides of statues of Sally Struthers. Sally Struthers. Yet another Sally Struthers crack. Again, the Save the Children thing was a very big thing. It's still at this time. It would be until, I think, the end of the 90s. Uh, Carlos mentions uh, that uh, she's very perceptive and uh, Struthers brought much food to his country. Hopefully, the next time uh, she comes, she'll actually share it with the, the good people of his, of his old country. <laughs> And, of course, um, Sally Struthers has been ripped on before. And uh, going back to South Park, uh, Sally Struthers was also ripped, ripped on in the first se- season of South Park. Of course she was. In the Thanksgiving episode, where they fi- basically find her in Africa eating a lot of food. Sally Struthers? Who the hell are you? Give me that cake! No! This is my cake! Sally Struthers, give me that cake! No! You can't have any! Yes! Sally Struthers is holding food from us! Uh-oh. <laughs> I honestly think if they... If Married to Children the season 12, there would have been some sort of... Even just a Cartman swipe in the show. I honestly think they would have done some sort of swipe to it. Possibly, yeah. It was pretty popular in its first season, so... They would have mocked Cartman or Kenny or something notable from it. I, I just... I think it's interesting that... Well, for lack of a better word, you don't hear a lot from Sally Struthers these days... Unless it's in shows like this, referencing stuff that she used to do that was not part of All in the Family, but of <laughs> feeding third world nations <laughs> and being fat. I mean, go what? <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, obviously, I mean, uh, as we said, considering All in the Family was huge in the 70s, but um, let's face it, Anna, here in Australia, once Kingswood Country came on, we, we kind of forgot poor Archie and the gang and just watched Ted, didn't we? Yeah, yeah. So that that explains Australia, but uh, I mean, she is seventy four years old. See, she is seventy four years old now, so I'm pretty sure she'd be be, be retired. Yeah, I, I'm sure she's living quite happily. Her last acting credit was 2014 in the 50th anniversary production of Hello Dolly. Well, there you playing go, Dolly Levi. So that, that's her last acting credit. So I think she's just happily re- um, retired now. Yep, all the power to her. Yeah. So Bud and Esmeralda are getting along. <laughs> Stop! Stop! You're killing me! <laughs> she must be telling him one of her many amusing jokes. Huh? Oh, I like jokes. <laughs> really? Oh, then soon you will be smiling. <laughs> okay, a duck, a priest, and Fidel Castro walk into a cantina. The duck says to the bartender, I would like a cerveza. <laughs> <laughs> she must be telling a lot of jokes. Oh, yes, yes. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> what, the dog, priest, the Fidel Castro joke? <laughs> yeah, a darker priest and Fidel Castro walk into a cantina. Oh, see, si, see. Si. I wonder how the rest of that joke goes. Hmm, yeah, I wonder too. <laughs> well, I assume it's the same joke when they cut back to Kelly and he, Carlos gives a punchline, I can't believe you serve Cubans here. So either that's a really long joke, <laughs> or he's told a few and he's come back to telling the same one again. I'm going to assume, unless all his jokes have that Cuban or Spanish flavour. Well, let's assume it's a really long joke, considering how long he was playing guitar for and how long the slideshow was. Yep, that's what, I, that's what I'm going with. So we can assume Carlos is Cuban. Yeah, I, I guess so. So back at the love compound, it's been one hour and still nobody has returned. 
If I wasn't the prophet of love, I'd give you the thrashing of your life. Thrash all you want, Doctor. Skip the Maloo. Just don't hug me. <laughs> Thanks, Mr. Bundy. You saved our marriage. Thanks, Mr. Bundy. You saved our marriage. Thanks, Mr. Bundy. You saved our marriage. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Al. <laughs> Peg, pack your mother's bag. She'll be moving on out. <laughs> now, wait. He saved your marriage as well? No, you English muffin. We're busting up for good. Well, didn't you do what I told you? Huh, yeah, yeah, and it worked out perfect. Yeah, she wants me back now. Then I realized I got these tickets for a trip around the world. So I can take any babe I want. Ephraim, you could have two tickets around the entire galaxy, you gin-soaked waffle head. No one's going with you. You're going around the world? I'll go with you. Bye, baby. Am I lucky? Our first stop is Mexico, and she's got her own maracas. Yeah, yeah, Al's got them on the run and saved three marriages. He did. (laughs) Moving on out, eh? Yeah, I thought he was going to say moving on up. (laughs) Maybe by this point they thought they'd exhausted all the Jefferson stuff. I think so. It's just Al calling Mrs. Wanker a cow. Yeah, English muffin. Ha! (laughs) He can take any bird he wants. But Al calls Dr. Richelieu Dr. Skip to my loo. (laughs) (laughs) And that's a it's a it's a dance. It's one of those partner stealing dances from the nineteen from the eighteen forties. Sorry. Oh yes. Interesting. It says partner stealing dance. <laughs> so Al is overjoyed. He thinks he saved Peg's parents' marriage, but no. <laughs> no, no, no. He uh, has not saved out um, Ephraim's marriage. No. He's busting up for good. Like I said, so Ephraim can take any any bird he wants. Yeah, and to prove it. Oh yes. He steals a partner. <laughs> yes, another travel agent. <laughs> <laughs> well, she has got nice flapjacks. Mm-hmm. Yes. This could be taken. This could all be very taken very lightly. But notice he's is going for a trip around the world. That's important because that the fact that Ephraim's going around the world, Peg very soon leaves the show to chase him to find him. And that's an excuse to write Katie Seagal out because she is quite pregnant at this point. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, well, and obviously didn't want to add another kid to the show. And there's only so many ways you can hide a baby bump. Yes, and I think at this point they don't even care whether they're hiding it or not because there's a couple of shots where you can actually tell that she is obviously pregnant. And she's got about, what, uh, 14, 15, 16. So she's got three more episodes after this. Or four more episodes after this before she takes off from before Peg leaves <laughs> suddenly without our relief noticing. And she chases her father around the world to track him down and they'll eventually come back. Both of them will come back at the end of the season. Nice, nice. Uh, yeah, they're definitely notable, notable for that, that, that's for sure. Uh, yeah, so around the world trip, eh? Yeah, not bad. Not bad at all. I mean, in this day and age, it's a bit, it's a bit of a, uh, more of a dream. Do you remember the days when you could open your passport and board a plane and go to another country? Tell me about it. <laughs> <sighs> One day. I know. We will again. We will again. We will. Anyway. Back at the Bundy house, it's almost almost Esmeralda's curfew. 
Oh, well, it's about time. <laughs> oh, you're right. It's almost Esmeralda's curfew, and this is the last night before she enters the convent. Esmeralda! Yes, Cousin Carlos? Say goodnight to your playmate, Bud. <laughs> Bye, Kelly. If it isn't being too forward, I would like to kiss you goodnight. Sure. <laughs> Esmeralda, come. Adios. Can you believe that guy? How dare he not put out? You know what? I'm going to tell all my girlfriends about him and ruin his reputation. Hey, this is great. Now, you're desperate. And for the first time in my life, I'm not horny. <laughs> Take me now! That's what I'm here for. Fun? Yep. And I haven't had sex in 15 minutes. Let's go. No, 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 no! Well, uh, Bud is looking rather fit and shirtless, and he still wants more. Oh, yeah. I mean, Bud looks like he's, for lack of a better phrase, ridden hard and put away wet. Yeah, Bud came hover hobbling out of that basement. And two things. First, damn. And second, you notice he's got handcuffs on his left wrist? Yep. <laughs> Someone's been naughty. I thought that was a nice touch. Someone's been really naughty. Indeed. Carlos, without even... He's so oblivious, he must be thick as. But Bud and Esmeralda French kiss to say goodbye. Yes, yes. Carlos does not, does not see any of this. <laughs> <laughs> and asks if it's not being too forward, if he could kiss Kelly goodbye. Just on the hand. Yeah, and that's all Kelly... That's all the action Kelly is going to get this evening. And she's angry, isn't she? She is. How dare he not put out... Yeah, she she's like, oh, she hates Carlos, hates his guts, hates hate spew. In the, in, the, in the Bundy way, of course. And in a non-Bundy way, Kelly is now the desperate one, in Bud's words, and Bud, for the first time in his life, is not horny. Yeah, so he wants to end on a high. Uh, yeah, very much a role reversal here. But hang on, who's this? Another, someone else is at the door. Another hottie? What? <laughs> and it's later, this later night, it's, it's Fawn! Fawn, fawn, let's get it on. Wearing a rather very sil silvery dress, and uh, yeah, fawn's pretty foxy too. Very, very tight silvery dress. Yeah, that's a hell of a silver dress. Yeah, very tight as well. Uh, and she's ready to, ready to um, have some more action after not getting any in 15 minutes. Yes. Wow. <laughs> yep, she checks her watch. Make, yep, 15 minutes. She needs more. And, yep. Bud's going back to the basement. He has no choice, and the last shot is Bud. Just that shot of the, Bud's face sticking out the basement door. Yes, and he's yeah, he's screaming, and he says, "No mass, no mass," which is um, it's, that's been mentioned on the show before. I'm not sure if it's been discussed in any detail, but I think maybe the previous podcast crew may have mentioned that the no mass thing is a reference to a fight. A boxing match between Sugar Ray Leonard, yes, Married Children guest star, 
and Roberto Duran, or Duran, and it was billed as the Super Fight. It was later became known as the No Mass Fight. It was a boxing match which took place in November 25th, 1980, at the Louisiana Superdrome in New Orleans, in Nola. Yep. And it was the second of three bouts between the pair, and it gained its name from the moment at the end of the eighth round when Duran returned away from Leonard and towards the referee and quit by supposedly saying no mas, which is Spanish for no more. So I hear no mas come up in Miranda Children a couple of times, so that's what that is referring to. And if you'll remember back in season six in the episode Just Shoe It, Peggy will say that about Al after Sugar Ray Leonard has knocked him out. Oh, nice. Uh, that, that's awesome. I mean, a uh, nice um, little little thing for um, the Spanish-speaking viewers. Yeah, sort of um, sandwiches and envelops the Spanishness of this episode nicely, even though Bud is getting sexually assaulted. But, you know, it's, it's played for laughs, so we, we let it go. Oh, exactly. I mean, I mentioned another episode in this season. I mean, uh, come on. This is, this is basically nothing compared to, again, mentioning South Park, the one where Bud is, is basically taught, assaulted by Paris Hilton. <laughs> 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 No Ma'am will be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. So, Matt. Yes? How many trips around the world are you going to take with your travel agent after splitting up with your spouse for this episode? Okay, okay. Well, I'm at the time of recording, I'm still very much single, so I don't have a spout I don't have a wife or girlfriend to split from, but uh if you think back to my last ex, I would happily have split from her to heck four around the world trips in this episode. So, um yes, this is one of my Another number one from season 10. I'll give it a, no- a nice solid four trips. So, well, firstly, you've got the, the, the diversity of the couples in the, the marriage retreat. Uh, yeah, not, including, oh, especially in the mid-90s, couldn't have been noticing one of them was a gay couple. So, nice bit nice diversity, diversity in the marriage retreat for a show at this point in time. Uh, oh, the whole role reverse between Ke- Kelly and Bud. I can't emphasize that enough how Kelly really, really wants Carlos but doesn't get any. And, well... Bud wants Esmeralda and got her, but then he's basically flatter than a pancake at the end of the episode. He's like, no more, no more, no more. So, <laughs> so he gets tucked in there. Just, um, well, Ke- Kelly's multiple hot, hot outfits, es- Esmeralda, uh, oh, Fawn, uh, all, all really smoking hot, uh, Another some more malapromisms, uh, nice references. Well, which reminds me of other favourite shows of mine. Uh, even just uh, the scene where Ephraim get hand gets bitten by Mama. Yeah, so a nice uh, solid uh, f- fortress around the world for me for this episode. Uh, yes. 
Very good. Very good. Now, as for myself, once again, I went back and forth on scores a little bit. I started at 3.5. And because of our discussion and taking everything into consideration, I may up it to a 4. And I'll try to explain why. Not to be like Luigi and say, you know, season 10 is the 3.5 score, but we it's pretty it's a pretty good starting point, I feel. Um, this episode is very, very enjoyable. I, I like it a lot, and it's one of those episodes that I remember watching back when I was a kid, and I remembered a lot from it. And then when I wanted the episode on tape years later, I got it from my English friend. Yes. And it came from Sky One, which, as I've mentioned before on the podcast, they used to do. They used to air the show too early in the evening, and they would cut out a lot. And I got a, a, a cut version of this episode, and they cut out little lines here and there. But then at the end, they cut off Fawn's entire scene. You don't even see Fawn in the episode. No. Like, didn't something else used to happen here? Didn't Bud get and it ended really oddly? They ended it at Bud saying, take me now. And then that cut to the credits. I'm like, ah, uh-uh, there's more here because they haven't said who's directed, written, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, well, something's afoot. And I showed it to a friend of mine here and he said, yeah, there's more. I reckon, I remember Kelly's friend coming in. She's hot, you know, and getting a cut version that sort of it sort of whets your appetite for like what am i missing what else but i eventually got the whole episode so i slightly digress but yes about the episode in its entirety very much enjoyable and it's one i certainly remembered that's the thing about season nine season ten since a lot of these episodes they're very memorable whether or not they're like as good as the show used to be they're still memorable and they're still extremely funny um, this episode in particular, it's pretty much your basic two joke setup kind of thing. You've got Alan Pegg with their plot, and then we've got Kelly and Bud with their plot, and their plot is basically the one joke, really, where Kelly's getting none and Bud's getting some. I don't know if they could have done more than that, but if they had more scenes, it would have been overkill, because... Carlos, yes, he's a good-looking guy, but, you know, what else is there to him? We do see him again later in the show. Aside from his attractiveness, I don't see what Kelly sees in him. (laughs) But then again, Kelly used to date some really weird guys, so who knows? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) She's into all sorts of guys. Um, Another small reason is there's a couple of clips out there, behind-the-scenes clips from a German show. And they were behind the scenes of this particular episode. And so you see a lot of them talking about the wigs that get used, for example. In this episode, Kelly's wig is curlier than it's been. And it will be for a few episodes. There was a rumour going around that Lucky, being a new dog and a puppy, actually chewed up her previous wig. Now, this is something I read online in 1995, uh, sorry, 1996, and I think it was in a magazine called the Bundy Quarterly. And if you're around on the internet back in the mid-90s, you you know what I'm talking about. But I I can't confirm this. This is just hearsay. Yeah, there's a couple of interview clips and there's really cool behind-the-scenes footage from this episode. So that, that, I, I always love that stuff. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I like, I really like the the marriage retreat scenes 
for all the little bits that we've mentioned and the little details with the decor is it's awfully cute um anything with alan peg together and you know i i I always find marriage jokes very funny and i was thinking about this before but i think i'm the only one of all the podcast co-hosts who isn't single is that right well, um, yeah, thinking about it, I'm 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 single. Uh, I have had a, I've had been in love with a past with um a, a girlfriend, but um that's sadly ended. Uh, Luigi's divorced. Chris is single. Uh, I think Stephen and Tyler are single. Yeah, so all, all you guys are currently single, or at time of recording are for you know not married anyway. And then and I'm recently married, and so it's just interesting that the the woman. <laughs> is uh, married and all the guys are currently single that doesn't mean anything i just thought it was funny and i just wondered if um if all the guys will see this episode differently in any way or you know someone like luigi who's divorced i mean he'll probably get a a massive kick out of all the the marriage humor in this so yeah I, i do like this episode as i keep saying um bud is smoking hot as he is in much of season 10, but this time it, you can really see how much he's been working out. And it's like, oh yeah. And <laughs> he, and uh, it's always, it's nice when Bud scores because it proves that, you know, not every girl in the world finds him disgusting. He's still got an odious personality, but <laughs> um, it's nice that we get reference, a shout out to Weenie Tots. And um, there's a little uh, a plot point in here that sets up for a, a, a bit of continuity or storyline, however you want to call it, to to eventually write Peg out. I mean, you know, it's nothing that you're ever going to take. Uh, you're not going to take notice of watching this episode unless you know what happens later. And you realize, oh, hang on, her father did go around the world, and we saw that set up. And so Peg's gone around the world to chase him and track him down, just as a simple plot device to write her out for. 10 episodes so i like that they set that up um there's a lot of fun references there's a lot of references that um and jokes that we've we've heard before you know like sally struthers that's not a deterrent it's just you know it's 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 starting to get tired but really it's it just boils down to an enjoyable episode that is memorable for lots of little different reasons and i just i I think it's very funny. And Marcy and Jefferson scene is funny. Jefferson is very funny when he's <laughs> in his trance and his days. Yeah. And and yeah, there's a lot of interesting um, cast members that you'll recognize from other things. There's certainly a lot of eye candy for all the men out there. Um, I, people like myself get their eye candy from Bud. <laughs> i got to get it where I can. You do, so you do. So I think all this considered, including this little plot device that I've mentioned, I think I've gone from a 3.5 to a 4. And that's... That is quite, that's quite generous for season ten. I th- I feel, but it's it's not undeserved. Oh, nice! No, not undeserved at all. Uh, yes, it's definitely one of my favourites of this season. That's for sure. Yes. So when the borders reopen and we can all travel again, I will go around the world, not with my travel agent, but with my spouse. And I'm sure you and William will enjoy it. Oh, we will. We can't wait to go travelling. We ha- we haven't even taken our honeymoon yet. Oh, where are you going to go take a honeymoon? Where are you planning on going for that? Oh, I don't know, but um, we, <laughs> we can't make any plans yet because I think it might even be somewhere like Vietnam or, you know, East Asia, somewhere like that, Ooh. somewhere we haven't been, you know? Nice. Well, uh, my mum went to Vietnam with my stepdad when I was 18. They loved it. Oh, good. I mean, another place is New Zealand, of course, because of Hobbiton and the fact that it's an awesome country. 
Yes, yes, you love New Zealand. Uh, two of my good mates. Uh, yeah, they loved it. The, the mates of my profile picture, Nadia and David, they love New Zealand. All right. So that's it from Team Australia this week. But next time, join us in the Jiggly Room for a festive episode of I Can't Believe It's Butter, where during the Christmas season, Griff becomes quite fond of a phone sex partner named Butter, whom Al discovers is really Peg's mother. Oh, that's going to be a bit of a sweet one. Uh, Nice bit of hot butter. (laughs) Always remember, you're cooking with butter. So that's it from Team Australia, and to everybody out there in Bundyland, I bid you a fond Adidas. (laughs) Adidas! Whoa!